Good morning, everybody. Welcome and happy Easter. It is so good that you are here. Um, turn to the person next to you and just tell them right now with the, the most sincerity you can muster, I'm glad you're here today. I love that. Uh, I just saw a husband and wife turn to each other and say, I'm glad you're here today. It moved my heart. Can we give another shout out to the choir today? Wasn't that great? And uh, also to the artists who contributed art to our Easter exhibit. You'll see on the back wall and on the sides, there are art pieces that uh, Hillsiders have created. Hillsiders been up to all kinds of stuff. Flowers, I suspect that that's been Carol Hansen hard at work. Can we give it up for Carol? Love to see the hillside community in action. Well, we cannot understate what this Easter weekend means to us. How, as we heard at the beginning of the, church, the service, how the risen Jesus absolutely changes everything. Um, a few years back, uh, William Barrick told the story of how the Good Friday service in Dampera Church, Chittatong, Bangladesh, was packed. Uh, little children sat in the floor in the aisles, and they were, were lining at the front of the church, and rows of people stood in the back, craning their necks to see the crucifixion scene as depicted in the Jesus film. Weeping and, and gasps of unbelief could be heard. There was just this shocked hush in the crowd as Jesus was crucified. And as the Bengalis watched, they were feeling the agony of of Jesus' pain and, and the crushing despair of his disciples. And in that emotional moment, one young little boy in the crowded church suddenly cried out, don't be afraid, he gets up again. I saw it before. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but a small boy's encouraging cry gave heart and hope to the viewers of that film. It is no small thing for us as Christians to say he is risen. So let's say it again together, can we? He is risen. Fantastic. You got your part. That's, been, that's really, really good. I want to take a few minutes this morning and have us consider something that happened that first Easter evening. On that, that night, a handful of people experienced a profound change that they were not expecting. And I think this is the kind of life change that Jesus would like to offer you and me this morning. You see, on that first Easter weekend, what we call Good Friday... Jesus had been crucified, and he'd been nailed to a Roman cross. And as he was being crucified, most of his followers fled and went underground and were cowering in fear for their own lives. As John tells us in his account, Jesus' closest friends were hiding out in fear behind locked doors. And the last time they'd been with Jesus, they deserted him. You can imagine how they had felt about themselves in his greatest hour of need, they'd fled. The words for themselves in this moment are failure, are loser, are coward. And we forgot to read the scripture. <laughs> Eva, get up here and read the scripture because she was supposed to do that earlier and I just jumped on up here. 
Hold that thought. You good? Come on over. <laughs> Eva's going to actually just preach the rest of the sermon because... Right? On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoy overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And may God bless the reading of his word. That was a little delayed, but still good. Thank you, Eva. So as we just heard in that story, Jesus appears in the midst of, of disciples who are feeling like they had so dis disappointed their Lord. And it's unbelievable. Jesus breaks into a moment which must have felt like one of the lowest moments of their entire lives. And Jesus gives them three gifts that change everything. Three gifts that I would propose that we can all look to the risen Jesus for in our own lives. He gives them his peace, his purpose, and his power. You got my three-point sermon outline right there. The first gift that he changes, that changes everything is his peace. It's the first thing that he says when he appears in that room. He says, peace be with you. In fact, he says it twice. In the original language, it would have been shalom or peace be yours. I, I think it's so awesome that the risen Jesus' first gift to his fearful, discouraged, despairing disciples is his peace. Don't you love the idea of peace? I mean, some of you came this morning going, I could use some peace. <laughs> Maybe peace and quiet. You came from a busy household. Peace is such a great word. And from Jesus, it really means so much more than just an absence of conflict. But the offering of his love, his forgiveness, his favor, his blessing. And I, and I love that these are his first words to his apprentices. Notably, Jesus' first words aren't, you know, a command. <laughs> They, they aren't a correction or a discipline. They were a gift. He doesn't start at all by talking about how disappointed he was in them, in their failure and in their flight three days before. In this moment, there is no call for repentance or even faith. It's just sheer grace. Peace be yours. Some of you this Easter, more than any other gift, could use Jesus' gift of peace. Maybe you're coming from a life situation that is just plain hard. I know many of you are. You're experiencing some life pressures, uh, concerns, burdens that are actually hard to put into words. I, I had a friend who used to always glibly say when somebody was in trouble, he, says, he used to always say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Until he had kind of a calamity in his life where he said to me, he confessed to me in quiet, he says, I think this is going to kill me. Some of you can relate in of, of being in kind of your own version of being locked in an upper room with your fears or your failures. Or, or maybe you're carrying a lot of stress or anxious thoughts that just kind of go with you day by day. Studies show that anxiety is now by far the most common mental illness or mental health issue in our day. And I suspect that most people in our culture 
are suffering from some kind of anxiety that just never goes away. And Jesus comes like he did to his friends that Easter Sunday, wanting to break into their lives. And and he comes not with words of judgment or condemnation, but with words of peace. Peace be yours. And you've got to understand that anybody can say peace. I, I, could, I can say it to you. Hey, peace, brother, sister. But Jesus is actually uniquely positioned to speak peace into our lives with authority. When prophesying his birth, Jesus was called by Isaiah the Prince of Peace. When the angels announced his arrival to the shepherds, the pronouncement was, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. He was the one who, when the disciples were caught in a deadly storm, Jesus said to them, peace be still. He actually said to the winds and the waves, peace be still, and the storm stopped, leaving the disciples asking the question just, who is this guy? Even the the winds and the waves obey him. In John 14, 1, Jesus would urge his followers to not be anxious. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled Trust in God, trust also in me. He'd go on to say, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I know for some of you this Easter, there are storms in your life, high winds are blowing and you're anxious or fearful or burned out or stressed. And I think Jesus wants to speak his peace to you again. He wants you to know the kind of peace that changes everything. Jesus blesses us with peace. How do we know his peace? I I think Jesus' consistent message is to look to me, to trust me, bring your troubles to me. The Apostle Paul talks about what to do with anxiety in his letter to the Philippians. He said, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, when you're anxious, what do you do? You pray. (laughs) Prayer, I think, is this great expression of trust in God. And the gift we get from God in Christ Jesus when we pray and we look to him in the midst of our fears is the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, it doesn't always make sense. What an amazing gift. Do you need peace this morning? Why not ask Jesus for it? Are you asking Jesus for it? He wants to give it to you. Now, it's important to know, especially on Easter, there's a dimension to Jesus' peace which runs far deeper than just relieving us from stress or anxiety it actually makes sense of the why of Good Friday, why Jesus died on our behalf. It's why we call Good Friday good. You see, Jesus came with a mission to bring peace, to restore the broken relationship between humankind and God, to bring peace with God. We're told in the earliest pages of Scripture that we were made in God's image, designed to live with God in a relationship that was marked by love and trust in God's goodness and care. But that relationship was broken by us when we went on our own, when we stopped trusting in God's goodness, when we walked away from his love. 
And we kind of said to God, we can do this better on our own. This is what the Bible calls sin. And the result of sin is, as Isaiah 59, 2 says, sin separates us from God. In other words, peace is lost with God. It's been broken. I wonder if you've ever had a conflicted relationship. Somebody where where things didn't go well. Maybe a, a seriously conflicted relationship. You ever had somebody uh, betray your trust or hurt you so deeply or walk away from you? Um, I know some of you have. Sometimes uh, broken relationships can feel irreconcilable. You've heard that term, right? Irreconcilable differences. Like, like you couldn't imagine somehow it being repaired. Scripture makes it plain that humankind broke this relationship with God and it looked irreconcilable. Yet God the Son came to reconcile us and rescue us from the shame and devastation of sin and restore us to peace with God. How did he do so? He did so by offering himself as the payment for our brokenness, our sin, He died on a cross, which makes us possible for us to have peace again. Peace within ourselves, peace with with each other, and peace with God. As the Apostle Paul said in Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in Ephesians, but now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. You see, peace with God is not just some idea. It's actually a person. Peace is a person. And Jesus comes offering himself. And so in Jesus, we can receive forgiveness and pardon for all the ways we've wronged God. We get a brand new start in in him. Jesus dying and rising changes everything for us. Uh, New Testament uh, Scholar N.T. Wright retells the following story about an archbishop who is hearing confessions of, th- of sins from three kind of hardened teens in the church. And all three boys were trying to make a joke out of it. And so they met with the archbishop and they in- manufactured a long list of ridiculous and grievous sins that they hadn't done. And it was all a joke. And the archbishop, seeing through their practical joke, played along with the first two who ran out of the church laughing. But then he listened carefully to the third prankster. Before he got away, he told the young man, okay, you've confessed these sins. Now I want you to do something to show your repentance. I want you to walk up to the far end of the church, and I want you to look at the picture of Jesus hanging on a cross, And I want you to look at his face and say, you did all that for me, and I don't care very much. And I want you to do that three times. So the boy went up to the front. He looked at the the picture of Jesus, and he said, you did all that for me, and I don't care that much. And then he said it again. But then he couldn't say it the third time because he broke down in tears. And the archbishop telling the story said, the reason I know that story is that I was that young man. Friends, there's something about the cross, something about Jesus dying there for us, which leaps over 
all the theoretical discussions, all the possibilities of how we explain it this way or that way, and the cross grasps us. And when we're grasped by it, somehow we have a sense that what is grasping us is the love of God. God loves us. He did everything he could do to bring peace for us. So we might have a restored relationship with him, and, and that's available to anyone who'd receive it. It's like, um, it's like God signed the peace treaty in his son, in his own son's blood, and he hands us the pen. Will we take it? Will we receive it? It's a free gift. It's all available to us in Christ. And so Jesus, first of all, he breaks into the room and says, peace be yours. That's the first way Jesus changes everything. Okay, uh, so we're not very far along here, and we got two more points. we got to speed up. Say, hurry up, Derwin. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. The second way Jesus changes us, changes everything, is he offers us the gift of purpose. The risen Jesus says to his disciples in verse 21, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. You know, moments before, they're feeling like it's game over. It was tragic. They had spent three years watching Jesus deal out his healing, his compassion, his hope to, to vulnerable and broken people. And they joined him in that, and it felt so right. It was so good. Their lives were infused with meaning. But Jesus died. What now do they do? They, they left everything to follow him. What do they live for now? So Jesus, the second thing he says is, fellas, the, the mission isn't over. We're just getting started. As the Father sent me to show the love of God to the world. I'm now sending you. He gives them a mission and a purpose. You know, when we first meet the risen Jesus, he wants to fill us with a, a new vision and purpose to share God's love and to make the world a better place. You see, in a mysterious way, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he was breaking the power of death and evil and unleashing the greatest life force the universe has ever known. And when people meet him, they want to be part of his revolution, a revolution in making our world a place of greater beauty and justice, in joining Jesus in his work of making all things new. You know, if you're a person uh, living in the first century Roman Empire, chances are there would be a garbage dump at the edge or outskirts of your city. And on the garbage dump, chances are you would find their discarded, unwanted babies. And people in the first century who owned slave houses would go to those garbage, trumps, garbage dumps and they'd retrieve those children and raise them as slaves. And people who owned brothels in the first century would, would go to those garbage, garbage dumps and they'd retrieve those children and raise them as sex slaves. But followers of Jesus would also go to those garbage dumps and they'd retrieve girls and boys and raise them as their own. They'd adopt them. And listen to this. When, when hungry people in the first century, first centuries knocked on the doors of Christians and if the Christians did not have enough food in their homes to share with everyone, they would fast until they could all eat a meal together. Imagine, 
In the year 250 AD, it's estimated that 10,000 Christians fasting 100 days a year were able to give 1 million meals to the poor and the hungry. I think that was bizarre, but I know of a guy who, who during the famine crisis in Ethiopia back in the 80s, he lived on one peanut butter sandwich a day through, through a whole year so that he could give all of his extra resources he normally spent on food to the, those who are suffering from famine in Ethiopia. This tradition can, carries on in parts of the world. It actually makes me think of this calling that we have on Hillside as, as a church of Jesus Christ, as a, as a church as we seek to practice radical compassion and generosity, showing love and, and care to vulnerable people in our neighborhood, in our community, and around the world. Let me say this, to, to care for the poor, to foster unwanted children, to help house the homeless, to support refugees, to care for the elderly, to feed the hungry, are not extracurricular activities for a church. They've been a core part of our mission since Jesus Christ for more than 2,000 years. And, and today, as we meet the risen Jesus, we're given a new purpose to make this world a more beautiful place through acts of compassion and justice and through sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you are wondering, maybe, what is my purpose? You're longing to figure out that, that question. Why am I here? And, and Jesus says, join me. I can use you, who God uniquely made you to be, to change the world. And it might be through your job. It might be through our church. It might be through just every day showing love to the neighborhood, all those kind of things. Jesus can infuse your life with purpose and meaning. So as we meet the risen Jesus, he says, peace be yours. He gives us his purpose. And the final way Jesus changes everything is he gives us his power. Listen to what he, what he says in verse 22, what it says. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I was kind of frightened of the Holy Spirit. And maybe it was because in my church growing up, we didn't call the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. We called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Calling the third member, member of the you know, Trinity ghost wasn't exactly a reassuring, inviting you know, invitation to put our love and trust into him. Um, the biblical word is much less scary the Hebrew word for spirit was ruach, and the Greek word was pneuma. Both were the same word used for breath. So think of the spirit as God's breath. Jesus breathed on him his spirit. Jesus breathed on him the breath of God. Let me ask you, how important is breathing to life? Is it somewhat important, important, or not important? <laughs> or very important. It's actually for something we don't pay much attention to, our own breathing. I would say it's very important and essential to life, right? There's more uh, in this text going on here that John's trying to help us notice. In Genesis 2, when, when God created humankind, we're told, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils 
the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Creation comes through God's breath. So it's fascinating in this encounter with his disciples on that first Easter evening, Jesus breathed on them his breath as if to say, today is the new day of creation. I'm doing a new thing. I'm giving the spirit. I'm giving God's breath. This is really good news. And, And what it means is God's power becomes available to us in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. What we can't do on our own, God now can do through us. You know, I talk to lots of people, and, and kind of my sense often is, is they feel like their life is, is maybe out of control, or they feel just kind of powerless to change situations that they're in, powerless to break a bad habit, powerless to save a relationship, powerless to get out of debt, powerless to manage their life. What we need is a power that is greater than our own. We were never meant to live this life on our own steam, on our own power. But here's the good news, as Paul says in Ephesians. How incredibly great is his power to, uh, how incredibly great is his power to help those who believe him, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Uh, Tim Keller tells the following story about the power of Christ's resurrection. Um, A minister was in Italy, and he saw the grave of a man who died centuries before, who was an unbeliever, and who was completely against Christianity, but a little afraid of it too. So the man had this huge stone slab put over his grave so he wouldn't have to be raised from the dead in case there was a resurrection from the dead. He had insignias put all over the slab saying, I do not want to be raised from the dead. I don't believe in it. (laughs) Evidently, uh, when he was buried, an acorn must have fallen into the grave. So a hundred years later, the acorn had grown up through that grave and split that stone slab, and it was now a towering oak tree. (laughs) The minister looked at it and asked, if an acorn which has the power of biological life in it, can split a slab of that magnitude. What can the acorn of God's resurrection power do in a person's life? You see, the moment that you decide to receive Jesus, to say yes to Jesus as Lord, as Savior, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's as if Jesus breathes on you and gives you that gift. And it's the power of the resurrection, God's very breath, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Think of things in your life that seem like immovable objects to you. Those things you can't let go of and you can't be freed of, your anxiety, your insecurity, your fear, your self-doubt. The more you know him, the more you can be freed from those things and the more the power of his resurrection can be at work in you. And he does this beautiful work of recreating you into who you were made to be. What a great hope we have in Christ. Three gifts. I suspect you probably need all three. Three gifts, peace, purpose, and power. 
Jesus offers them all. The risen Jesus offers them to you. He offers them to me. And whether this is the first time you're kind of hearing the message of Jesus or you've heard it a million times, we still need to hear it. <laughs> we still need to receive it and open our lives up to the resurrection, resurrected Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's, let's pray this morning. As we're uh, reflecting in this moment, Maybe this morning you are just so aware that more than almost anything, you need God's peace today. You need him to speak his peace into your life. You're struggling. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you've been anxious for a very long time. Even in this moment, you can bring this to Jesus. And in the moments that are going to come, I, I just want you to keep on hearing that invitation to bring your worries, bring your fears to Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. You can, by, by prayer and thanksgiving, you can bring those to God and the peace of Christ will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. So ask him for your help. It's an expression of trust. Trust him with your fears. Or more importantly, maybe you've never taken the step to receive the gift of peace with God. This morning, you can take a step in this moment. <clears throat> Jesus made a way to reconcile us to his Father. We were in the wrong, and we were helpless to make it right. But God made a way, and, and it looked like a cross. And you can pray a prayer right in this moment. God, I'm sorry for all that I've done wrong, for the ways in which I betrayed you, not trusted in you, where I've offended you or hurt you. Oh, God, would you forgive me that? <laughs> and I know you will, because you said you would in Jesus. Would you begin a new work in me? I invite you to become my forgiver and my leader and my Lord. That's a new start. This new start for you today. J Jesus promises to all who receive him. They have the right to become children of God. You're, you're restored into relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Or maybe this morning you're having a struggle with having a sense of meaning in your life and, and you're wondering about your purpose, like why am I here? Am I just biding my time? Am I just meant to binge Netflix on weekends and, and grind it through my work week in, week out? And Jesus wants to say, I think, to to many of you this morning, as the Father sent me, so I want to send you. I want you to bear my good news to the world. I want to infuse your, your daily life, your everyday moments with purpose. You can love the lost around you. You can um, show my character through acts of kindness and generosity. You can serve the poor. This morning, maybe this morning for you, a prayer that you could pray was just, Father, use me. Jesus, use me. Here I am. Send me. Help me fulfill your purpose in the world. Or maybe today you're just aware of your need for God's power. You look at things in your life or your situation and you feel actually kind of stuck. 
how could I ever overcome that? It's just who I am. Jesus wants to give you hope that you can change through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to infuse your life with his spirit, with his breath. And you can pray, Holy Spirit, come. Help me. Grow me. Transform me. Change me. I invite your power to become more real in my life. Through Jesus' name. So thank you, Jesus, for coming, for offering not just these gifts, but offering yourself. You said that if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. Would you do that new creation work in us, we pray this Easter, that we might share the good news to the world around us, that Jesus is risen, Jesus is alive. We glorify your name, we praise you together. In Christ's name we pray, amen.